everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. Well, hello everyone. This is Lesson 9 for the third quarter of 2022, and it's titled A Life of Praise, and it's from the quarterly In the Crucible with Christ. And this is an interesting lesson to have right at this time, a life of praise. I don't look ahead at the lessons, but I would think when we're talking about the crucible and being in the crucible and the struggles that this life of praise maybe should have been left till last, but we'll see what what comes after this. It also comes at a strange time for me because I just found out that one of my friends very special person lost their life uh, just last Sabbath. It was very challenging for me. And when I think about this life of praise and this lesson, I was thinking, how can they, losing your daughter, losing your sister, how can there be anything worse than that? How can you praise at that time? So that is what was kind of going on in my head because, yes, it's easy to have you know, talk about praise and praising God and everything. But when you're right there, when you're right in the crucible and you're going through something tragic, how do you praise at that point? And so this is an interesting lesson and there's a lot of good stuff in here. So let's go through some of it. The lesson study says that praise is faith and action. And I really like that. I really, I really like that as a concept because I think that it really is. It's not just being faith in action, but I think that it's the faith that prompts us to that action of praise. I do think there's a link between them. And I do think that the closer we are to God, which is what I think of when I think of faith, you know, we talk about faith, the word, the semantics of it just makes us think that it's belief in something like, yeah, I believe, you know, even if it's a strong belief. But I think faith is more than that. When we look at the Bible and we look at the people who have had faith and Moses and, and Abraham and everything, it's, it's, not just, it's not just a belief and it's not just obeying God, but it's just, it's a connection with God. It's a connection with the Lord that's just this, it just brings us into his presence and it brings us closer to him. And the more we grow in faith, we're really just growing closer and closer to him. So that's how I think that praise is wrapped up in this faith because praise is really worship and worship comes from us knowing God and and loving him. And, you know, praise is kind of like an emotional outburst of faith, but it's like these overwhelming emotions and these emotions of complete joy and respect and humility and peace and safety in God. And it's, it's just all wrapped up in that. So praise is really worship and worship comes from our relationship with God. So how can we praise God in adversity? Can we do it? And must we do it? Yes, we most definitely can. We've already seen this with previous lessons. We saw this with Job. Job 42.5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I had bore myself and repent in dust and ashes. He was worshiping. He was totally reverencing God and making God a most high God. We always think about God and his love, but God wants to be our God. 
He wants to be our everything, our our bigger than life God, and he should have the respect. This is Job just totally abhorring himself because when we see how awesome God is and we see how great he is, ourselves in contrast, just dust and ashes. That's a, it's a good description of it because God is so much higher than we are. And just a few verses back from there, Job says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. See, he's acknowledging that God is all-powerful. That's a total praise right there. Even though we know Job, even at that time, had already suffered all these tragedies, was still suffering, was in the midst of his suffering, yet he was able to give that praise, to give that worship to God. We also saw this with Habakkuk. You know, the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, when he says, though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive tree may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on high hills. So how can he be praising God? How can he be doing that? Was it because he didn't see the horror? God had just told him all the horrible things that were going to happen. Or was it because he wasn't affected by it? He saw it, but he wasn't affected by it. We know that he saw it because in Habakkuk 3, verses 2, he says, Oh, Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. And then 3.16, it says, When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. So he was definitely struck by the horrors of everything and how bad it was. And yet just the next verse, he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, and goes on. How can he do that? Because he was seeing the end. He was seeing a different vision. You know, just as I was reading this just now, I thought of that song from Sound of Music where it says, when the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my, my favorite things. And it's, it's kind of like that, I think. When these bad things are happening, if our eye is on something different, and we can see with Habakkuk that his eye was on something different. He says, you marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth from salvation of your people. For salvation with your anointed, you struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from the foundation to the neck. And he saw God's strength, and he knew that in the end, God was going to triumph, and that God is more powerful, more beautiful, more breathtaking was that vision than any of the horrors of what was befalling or going to just befall them. So that's something to keep in mind. That's how it's done. It's not that we can't see things, but it's what we're looking at. And so this is how Job could have done it. This is how Habakkuk was done. And then even in Philippians, when we get to, to Paul and Philippians 4, 4 through 9 of the, of the memory verse, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Okay, so 
He's saying, be anxious for nothing, rejoice in all things. But then just keep reading. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's the key right there. Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he just put these backwards. But I think that it's the meditation on those good things and seeing those things, looking at those things. What are we turning our eyes toward that can help us overcome all the anxiousness and and the needs and everything that we have? The chicken and the egg scenario, which is coming first? Are we looking at good things and then we're able to praise God or are we praising God and then we're able to see the good things? I think they go in hand in hand. But how do we forget the bad things or how do we, how can we do that? Especially when I think about my friends who are suffering right now, they probably day and night just wish the nightmare was, didn't happen. They wish they could get their loved one back and you know, how can we forget in, in the time like that, how can we possibly put a different vision there when it's just going to keep coming into our head and popping into our head? You know, it's not what's in our mind, but the prominence that we give to it. And yeah, I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult if we haven't prepared properly ahead of time to be able to deal with that. So let's look at this. How can we forget? You know, in Hosea 14, starting in verse 4, it says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. How is God seeing Israel that way? He says, I'll heal their backsliding and we're going to love them and we're going to turn away my anger. And then he's seeing them, this beautiful, he's seeing them like a beautiful olive tree with fragrant blossoms. And it, and it says, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the transgressors stumble in them. So we see that God can forget, but is he forgetting or what is happening here? Because, you know, when I was talking with my sister this week, she was praising God that, that he remembers our sins no more. And we were talking about how can he do that? The way that I think he is, is because it's like the end is joyous. So when you get to the end, you, you may not be able to see it when you're going through it, but when you see that the end turns out okay, then you see that it's, it's fine. It's like we know the end of the story. It's like watching a movie and knowing what the end is and you know everything's going to turn out okay and then you're not so worried during the movie you know if you get this you get the spoiler ahead of time and you know how it turns out 
then you're not going to be so stressed out and and worried during the movie, right? Because you know how it ends. And I think that's the way it is. If you see a sports game and you win at the end, does the team think about all those times when they missed the the goal or they missed something or the other team did a really good move? They don't think about that because they won. And they're just so happy that they won. And, and so I think that's how God can can not remember our sins and how we can forget the tragedies of this life. Now we can think about that and have it help us now that we know that in the future we look back and we can see it because we know that the end is good. You know, I just love it that the Sabbath falls at the end of the week. Was the Sabbath sweeter when the week was more bitter? Our week is just so full of things How much more of a blessing is that Sabbath? But we know we can look forward to it and we know that it's there and and that can get us through. Also, think of it in terms of, let's say you get in an accident when you're young and you almost die from it and you survive and you have a scar. Well, years later, let's say you're in your 90s and you look back and you see the scar. What are you going to have bad feelings. It doesn't hurt. It didn't cause any problem at all. And you look at it and you see it's a sign that you survived. It's almost like a good thing at that point, because you can look back and you say, Hey, I survived that accident. And I went on to have a long and fulfilling life. And so you can still see the scar is still there. The memory is still there, but the memory has been changed from a negative to a positive. So we can see maybe not the pain, but the prize. When we see our loved ones in heaven, in healthy young bodies made new, are we going to really think of the life here and all the pain and everything? Or are we going to be so overwhelmed? And I think we can tap into that now because we know what the end of the story is. A lot of people don't know what the end of the story is. And I, I feel bad for them. It's very difficult when you don't know the the end of the story. Of course you're going to worry. Of course it's going to be difficult to praise God. You know, Sunday's lesson mentions we don't praise because we feel good, but because of who God is and what he has done for us. And that's a good way to put it too, because praise is, even though it's an emotional activity, Our minds can override our emotions and our minds can also play into our emotions. I mean, that's how what sets us different from animals. And we can see that this this can be overridden. I mean, I think the lesson brings out the text in Philippians where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It also says I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I'm full. My God shall supply all your need. And he's talking about having peace. But you can see that he's he's overcoming what is going on with this intellectual activity almost about learning that learning to be content, learning to feel full, and that God will supply our need. And that just gives us a peace. I'm going to skip Monday for now, but I'm going to come back to it But Tuesday's lesson mentions David. There's a lot of hymns of praise from David. He was a musician too. So there's this musical component. 
And I like how the lesson study says, praise is not activity, but an atmosphere. Let's just think about that for a second. Praise is not activity, but atmosphere. And that's another really good quote that the lesson study author has put in there. You know, when I think about Sabbath, and, and when I'm in the Sabbath, when I'm experiencing the Sabbath, it's an atmosphere. It's not a do-don't activity. To me, it's an atmosphere. I, I picture myself in the holy city. And that's why if things jar me out of it on Sabbath, I, I know that that's not right, and I try to get away from it because I'm, I'm almost like I'm seeing this vision and I'm picturing myself in that holy city. And there, it's a whole atmosphere that just surrounds the Sabbath. I feel like surrounds me in the Sabbath. In fact, I think of that, that Psalm 48 where it says, according to your name, O God, so is your praise to the end of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. This is, this is picturing inside the walls of that holy city. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. And then the next verse, 48, 12, and 14, I put the song. I can't really sing, but, but I'll try to convey it. Walk about Zion and go all around her, count her towers, mark well her bulwarks and consider her palaces, that you may tell it to the next generation, for this is God, our God forever and forever and ever he will be our guide to death. But I just think of that song because, I, I mean, I just think of it walking about the city gates of Zion and sitting in there on the Sabbath. And so I think when we get into that, we see that vision and we feel it around us as if we're actually there. I think the praise comes out of that. The praise is there because it's, it's an, it is, it's an atmosphere. I really like that. And I think the lesson study also mentions Psalm 145, it says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. This is what starts it all. We know that the Lord is gracious and we're full of compassion. We're seeing him in his mercy and his goodness to us. And then it says, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. It's the speaking of the glory of his kingdom. It's seeing that kingdom and knowing it's there to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. And then it goes on a few verses later. It says, The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. This is a vision of the future and this kingdom and the wicked all being destroyed and just praising God for eternity, forever and ever. It's such a beautiful picture. How can we not praise God when we see that picture? The lesson study also asked the question, what can we see in this created world that causes us to praise? And, you know, I like to go on hiking trails a lot. I just love being outside and I just love being on trails. And I've had some experiences when I'm hiking. I can't even explain it. It's not because everything's so beautiful, because we're talking about 
hills that are all dry and dusty and not this gorgeous beauty like in some places in the world. But even just being out on a dusty trail, it's just sometimes I would just get overwhelmed and feel like, God, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good. And I'm sure that you all had that kind of experience though, where you're just out in nature and connecting with God and just feeling his goodness. I don't know what it is about nature that does that, but I think we get out of our houses and we get out away from all the stress and things that are just burdening us. And God can really speak to us. And when he speaks to us, he speaks love to us. And I think that's what what motivates our heart because we know that he is good. I don't think you have to be next to a hiking trail. You don't have to go up a high mountain or the backcountry. It's so beautiful in the, the backcountry to just be days away from civilization. But I don't think you have to do that. I've gotten it just just being outside and just walking and smelling the fresh air and just connecting with God. I think it's so important. So the lesson study also talks about praise being audible. When we feel compelled, we we make utterances. And also, I think when we utter things and we we make sounds, that also affects us and it affects others. So I think it goes both ways. We're here with the chicken and the egg again. Do we feel the praise before we make the sound or do we make the sound and then we feel more of the praise? The lesson study had mentioned Monday that we skipped over was the story about them surrounding the city of Jericho. Joshua 6.10 says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So we think of, yeah, they were shouting, but there was this silence. There was just this silence that, that preceded it. And sometimes I think about when my mom was growing up, she went to an all-girls Catholic school, very, very strict, and they were extremely strict. And the kids, they, they just, they could not make a sound in the church. They would go in and she said you could hear a pin drop. And of course, no, I don't know what her churches were like, but a lot of the, the older Catholic churches have, have floors. And, you know, you probably could hear a pin drop because there's so much echo in them. But the kids had to be extremely quiet and they just could not make any sound with even not just talking, but just with their bodies. They had to be just really quiet when they walked in and everything. And then you also think of the churches having, you know, songs and, and praising. And so you have this this time of quiet and this reverence. And then you have this beautiful hymns and beautiful praise. And of course, now the churches, some of them have a, just a lot of noise. But you think about this time of quiet and then this shouting, the praise like that was happening with the, the walls of Jericho. And then in Joshua 6, 20, it says, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpet. So here you have, that was the indicator that they would all shout, the trumpets get blown. And then they all shouted. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And then the people went up into the city every man straight before him, and they took the city. And I think this is such a good story because it not only shows the power of God and the praise of the people, but also the praise that elicits power. 
And I think there is some power in praising the Lord. There is some power in that worship that he lets us have, that he gives to us. Psalms 132, starting verse 13 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. There it is. The saints shall shout aloud for joy. And then Psalm 149.5, it says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. And then I love this one in Isaiah 24.14. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. And then Isaiah 42.13, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. See why, why are they shouting aloud? Why are they crying aloud? Because he shall prevail against his enemies because they're seeing that vision. They are seeing that vision. You know, when I think about making noise, Wednesday's lesson is talking about the convicts and that's Paul and Silas's experience in prison. They talk about the noise. So they're in prison. It says Acts 16, starting verse 24, it says, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're fastened down and it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So here they are cutting through in this prison in this darkness, probably a lot of people are sad or lonely or going crazy in there. And Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Imagine this, like this, they're thinking, what is this? And I'm sure at least some of them were thinking, this sounds like a sweet sound of hope or of something. And then 26, it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Poor guy, he didn't want to face his superiors. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself or we're all here. And, you know, I'm thinking when it says, don't arm yourself, we're all here, that Paul and Silas, I mean, I think they had the whole prison mesmerized. I mean, they're all there, but the prisoners, why didn't they just flee away? But I think they were all mesmerized. They were all listening to these praises, and they were just, I think, worshiping God too. And it says, then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the prison guard gets converted right here. And all the prisoners, I mean, you know, he's, his life is spared. But all the prisoners, they're, they're mesmerized too. And then just a few verses later says, And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. This is the, the prison guard. Now, when he brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. So here, the singing in the middle of a prison, in the middle of the night, and these prayers, the singing hymns, conviction power, it, 
it affected. So, you know, when we think about this rejoicing, we can be a witness for others. They can observe that we can rejoice even in bad circumstances. That's a pretty strong witness. I mean, it's one thing to praise God when everything's going right, but what if we're praising God even in the darkest hour? I think that is a really powerful witness. Now, talking about powerful witnesses, now we see the power. And Thursday's lesson is a story of Jehoshaphat taking the cities of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Second Chronicles 2017 says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So go out against them in battle. The Lord's going to be with you. And then, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They were all worshiping and they were all picturing the Lord is going to give them these cities and they don't have to do anything. And it was probably such a relief for them. And they were just overwhelmed and they were worshiping the Lord. And then verse 19 says, Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Here again, it's, a, it's an audible sound. They're praising the Lord. And then that's what came first. Then what, a couple of verses later, what came? It says, Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Not only did they not have to do anything and stand still, but they could just worship God and God took care of the army for them. It's almost as if we praise God, we connect with him like a higher level and he's able to bless us. He's able to, I mean, he was giving them power. It's like they have a power. There's a, there's a power when we connect with God. Well, he gave us a voice. He gave us the desire to worship and all this is for him. So our singing and our praise and everything. And I know when I, on Sabbath afternoon, I've been going through the hymnal and I just have a randomized order of all the hymns in the hymnal, the, the regular Seventh-day Adventist hymnal. And I just have this randomized order and I just start picking hymns and I've already gone through it. I think I'm on my third or fourth time. And so I pretty much know all the hymns now. I mean, they all sound familiar. I can't say, oh, I, I never heard of that one before. That's what I do. You know, I don't sing very many, maybe half a dozen to a dozen or so, but sometimes I don't really feel like it. But as soon as I start singing, it just does something. I think that making this sound, making this sound to to the Lord in worship, there's just something to it. I think God has, has blessed all of us with the ability to make noise and to make noise for him. And, and I think it's a good thing. You know, when we talk about this audible sound and this praise that brings us power, I can't help but think about Stephen. We can read about that in Acts 7, 54. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. They're gnashing at Stephen. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Remember what I said about seeing this vision and and just being transported, and he was transported. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They couldn't hear him. They couldn't hear that his sound that he was making, his praise, his it just his voice was probably reverberating this praise and this worship and they just they couldn't hear it. They stopped their ears and they ran at him and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. I mean, even though that strength doesn't always end like in Jehoshaphat where they just conquer the city and it's given to them. In this case, we would say it didn't really end well. They stoned Stephen. But even then, even then, he was praising God. He was seeing that vision. And when he saw that vision, he just, he just worshiped. And I'm sure that there was ones that were there, like Paul and whoever else that was seeing that, that was affected by it. So I do think that our praise, what we do, can affect others. So what, going back to my friends now, what could, could, or what could we say to those who just lost somebody, a loved one? Probably we can't do much at that point because they can't see. But what about before that? Maybe we can affect people before that. And I don't think it takes that much. I think people need to see a glimpse. They need to see a glimpse of God. And if we could allow God to, to use us for that purpose, if they could only see glimpses of God, then they will be able to, I think, see him when the going gets rough. You know, I think about rabbits. And if you've ever had a garden, they kind of just stumble along food. And, um, you know, they don't try to get to a certain food. Like, they don't have this agenda. They just eat what's in front of them, pretty much, and romp around and, and find munchies. But... You know, if they ever happen to get into your garden and get some good stuff, they will not forget it. They will not forget it. I don't care what you do. You can put up fences. You can do whatever. But once they know that food is there, they will get to it. And that's how we should be. When we see glimpses of God, we should not ever forget it. And we should always be headed in that direction. You know, I think of it as, a plane, you know, when you're on a plane, you kind of go through the layers of clouds and you're going up or down or whichever way, but, but you, you know that you're going to get through those clouds. You know, you know there's just a, a layer of clouds and if you just keep going up or you just keep going down, you're going you're gonna to have visibility again. And, and I think of it that way when we know, we know which way we're going we know which direction we're headed. And even if there's clouds there, we can rejoice because we see the end. And we know that in time, that end will be realized. And so as long as we're going in the direction that we should be going, we can rejoice in that. Even if we may be going through the clouds at the moment, just the fact that we're headed up every moment we know that we're closer to that kingdom despite what's happening around us. You know, I'll say, an, I'll give you another analogy too. We use the, the bunny and, and the, the plane, but, you know, I have a friend that had gotten stranded in the ocean once because they were on a, there was two guys, they were on a catamaran and the, the sail broke and it was just, it was not fixable. So here they are sitting out there, it's getting dark. And fortunately, a plane saw them. I don't know if I told this story before, on gems, but a plane saw them and uh, 
you know, fortunately called it in. Now the the Coast Guard didn't come out until it was starting to get dark. So they were pretty scared. And they saw the boat. They saw that light coming toward them. Of course, they didn't know for sure it was a rescue. They didn't want to get run over by a boat. But, but they could see it every now and then. They could see the light. But there's a lot of waves. That's how it is. I think when we just get glimpses of God, if we know that rescue is coming, then even if the waves are coming and the waves start getting stronger and stronger, right, as the boat gets closer to them, they may be even experiencing waves and everything, and that might scare them, but it doesn't because they know that the boat is coming and the boat's getting closer, and the bigger their waves are, they know that it's approaching. You think about that for a while. Can the tragedies we have and the hardships and the challenges actually strengthen us in our praise? And I think they can. I think they do because they bring that power and they they bring that hope. And so we might be going through tragedies at the moment, but we've already seen the glimpse and we've already grabbed onto that. So we need to praise him and connect with him while we can before we go through those tragedies. Because I think of my friends and I think of it's difficult when you haven't seen the glimpse to now all of a sudden seeing the glimpse when you're, you know, behind the fog of the window is foggy. If you've never seen what's on the other side of that window and then now the window's foggy and you can't see anything. So we really need to praise him when we can see his goodness and feel his love and to strengthen those bonds and strengthen that vision of that holy city so that when things get ugly here, we can see that vision clearer. So... All I can say is let's work while there's light. Let's help others as much as we can to see God's goodness. Let's look at God's goodness ourselves. While the air is clear, the sun is shining, maybe it's not shining for all of you right now, but think of those times when when you did see God and you could see the glimpses of him and know that the rescue boat is coming. That kingdom is there. That heavenly city is there. The prize is there. And I think when we see that, in our mind's eye, we can rejoice and we can praise and we can sing and we can have that peace and we can have the power. I think this was a really good lesson because I think now is the time. Now is the time when we should be doing this. It's never too late. It's never too late to connect with God and to really be dwelling on those beautiful things. So when things get ugly, we have that picture to go back to. We'll have that movie already memorized in our head and we'll be looking at that and we will be experiencing it. And God will give us the strength and the power to praise him and to witness to others and to get through. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.